We got new boots and I'm so thrilled. They're Tacova's boots. And you know why I'm so excited about getting Tacova's boots and why I was so happy to get mine why? in the mail? Because why? the girlies from Potomac went to the Tacova store in the most recent season of Real Houses of Potomac. And I was like, if Robin and Karen have Tacovas, I want Tacovas. Well, I have a good reason too, because I've been doing a bunch of line dancing and I didn't have any cowboy boots. And so I got my Tacovas. Oh. And let me tell you, the difference it makes to be dancing in cowboy boots. Huge. On the line dancing floor. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. So you can really smack the floor and swing around. You need cowboy boots. Yeah, I didn't get cowboy boots. I got Chelsea boots, but they're great. They're brown. Oh, my God. I can't wait to see them. They're just, I like taking them on and off. They're so lovely. They're kind of a beautiful leather. They're beautiful leather. Well, they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. They've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. It's true because cowboy boots can be a little bit hard to mm -hmm. break in. Yep. You know? Yep. Mine, I was swinging around, no pain. <laughs> no pain. And Tacovas is Western to their core. They offer a bunch of other head-to-toe Western staples like trucker jackets, the perfect jeans, performance pearl snaps, cowboy hats, bandanas, you name it. They'll get you outfitted. They believe in Western for all. And you can feel that when you go into their stores. When you walk in, you'll be greeted like family. I saw them do it to the girlies from the Real House of the Potomac. It seemed like they were being greeted like family. You'll be offered a boot shine and a drink. Yes, even the hard stuff if you prefer. And you can get custom fitted for a new pair of boots. But if you can't make it into a store, Tacova's delivers the most premium quality and the most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit Tacova's.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. You will drive yeah. Welcome to Who Weekly, the podcast where you'll learn everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. I'm Bobby Finger. I'm Lindsay Weber. And this is Who's There, our weekly call-in show. People call in at 619-WHO-THEM, and then they leave us questions, comments, concerns, and then we play some of them, uh, and then we talk about some of them, and then we play some of them at the end, and then don't talk about them, and those are the calls that you're doing amazing, sweeties. Wow, this sweeties. is like, if I'd never heard this, I would just be like, what? <laughs> Turn it off. And this is Who's There. But first, we have lots of comments from people, you know, adding facts, information, corrections, comments. Unfortunately, I wanted to see if we had... Personal stories. Um, I wanted to see... Actually, I should have checked that earlier, but I can do this really quickly. Mm. Well, no one called in about Tulsi's sister. You mean uh, V? V. Tulsi's sister? Today I saw a tweet that said V, Tulsi's sister for Vendetta. For Vendetta, yeah. Stupid. It was Anthony Smith. <laughs> stupid, stupid, stupid. Did you guys watch the debates last night? I normally wouldn't, but we did. And let me tell you. It was boring. No, it was actually fun, honestly. I had fun. I love to learn people's opinions on things like that I didn't know and learn about candidates that I didn't even know existed until they literally have enough votes, apparently, to get on the debate stage. Tulsi's sister's name is uh, Vrindavan. Oh, I thought it was Volsi. Volsi. <laughs> In case you guys didn't see Tulsi's sister. It's funny because all the candidates were tweeting or like their people were tweeting from their accounts during the debate mm -hmm. to like kind of expand their points or or kind of go after other people a little bit shadily on Twitter. And no one was like, this is not me because clearly it was not them. They were on stage, so they weren't tweeting unless that would have been amazing <laughs> if they were. Let me just like pull out my phone and make a tweet. But then Tulsi's sister was tweeting from her account 
and signed off Tulsi V, Tulsi's sister. Um, but what her complaint was that Tulsi didn't get to talk a lot, which is very a thing that your sister would complain about from the audience. <laughs> it's like, why aren't they giving my sister more time to talk? <laughs> Love, Volsi, or whatever her name Love, is. Sorry. Volsi. <laughs> it's really funny. I also like Tulsi being like, take this, V. You man the Twitter horn while There's, I'm up there. There was like really nothing that blatantly funny about last night. It was so, so you had to like find the things that were really funny, which were unfortunately V from V, v Tulsi's sister. Point is, that's the extent of the political conversation you're going to get on this podcast. And it begins and ends with Tulsi's sister, our new favorite who? V. Um, please come on the podcast. V. Uh, we Don't would love to talk to come you. Come on the podcast. Today on Who Weekly. Tulsi's sister. She would just complain. Yeah. Elizabeth Warren took all of my sister's airtime. <laughs> my sister had to talk about being homophobic and didn't have the time. <laughs> she talked about, exp- she spelled out every letter. At she was like, she was like, I <laughs> love gay people so much. Yeah, she did actually. I love Ashley O. We stan Ashley O. Wait, what was the tweet that was like, she she spelled out LGBTQ like she was reading it from an eye chart? <laughs> that was really good. L-B-B-B. <laughs> me. Yeah, I it's never like can me, read those. <laughs> me talking about sports. Um, yeah. What's the first comment? Oh, this is interesting. Hey, Lindsay and Bobby. Okay. So I'm a little bit stoned. I'm listening to your shit. And you're talking about nuts for nuts and how it's a New York them. What I just would like to clue you guys in a little bit, expand the knowledge. So Nuts for Nuts is actually started by a guy from Chile. And I lived there for a while. And it's everywhere. It's like like Nuts for Nuts, right, is a them only in New York and the United States, but then also is a them in Santiago, Chile, randomly. They're everywhere. Same smell, same thing. Everybody... <laughs> who hears you from the States, asked you about Nuts for Nuts, and is like, yeah, we did that. We went there, and we made that happen. It's very big them. Um, all right, cool. Me in, in Chile. <laughs> Me in Chile. Me in Chile. Me in I Chile. Was, I was looking it up later, and it like actually started in Argentina, and then it like moved to Chile. Mm-hmm. But it started in Buenos Aires in 1984. That's so cool. Yeah. And then it just like made its way here in 1993. And now it's all over New York. That's so... F- we're like big suckers for these nuts, they realized. Yeah. 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 And they were like, well, bring the nuts to America. New Yorkers love them. <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm going to get some. Next time I see some, I'm going to get some. I've no, never actually not. bought some nuts. No, you're not. I should. No, I you're should. not. I love learning about nuts. So this What's says nut- that... Uh, What's the name of the guy who brought it here? I was you were you reading this New York Times? Oh, I thing? just yeah, I just had it up and then I so closed good. it. No, it's so interesting. Uh, Manny Garapanata. Yeah, in in Argentina they're called Garipinatas. <laughs> oh, because that's his last name. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Very cool. No, very. And they were like, cool. "What and are we going to call it in America?" And they were like, "Uh, nuts for nuts." Apparently, there was a rivalry between um, Argentina and Chile over these nuts. Really. <laughs> That's what this says, or maybe people selling the nuts. I mean, it's there's all there's just you know. I'm just saying it's it's amazing. I love my it. other favorite my my favorite rivalry is the one between um, Mr. Softy and the other one. 
the you mean like the other the the different ice cream i yes. never notice when it's not mr softy but it is often. but you know that's like the remember that really like iconic story i think it was in the new york times about like the turf wars where yeah. like the ice yeah. cream the yes. ice cream trucks yes. would like claim ownership of certain neighborhoods and then like carry shotguns in their in their trucks right, to threaten shoot, the other like, trucks shoot, yeah like shoot the wheels off the other trucks yeah that was like last year or the year before. Yeah. It was like, yeah, two years ago. Yeah. And I love Mr. Softy. I got my first Mr. Softy a couple weeks ago. And got to say, it was disappointing. It, it wasn't. Wait, really? It was like too soft serve. It was not fully frozen? It wasn't fully frozen. And so he like, oh, no. he put it on the gone and then like it immediately just like tipped over. No. <laughs> and then he handed it to me anyway. And I was just like, okay. And it was $4. And I was like, I guess. Oh. It basically fell off the cone. That's I had so to just sad. suck it down really quickly. It was sad, so I needed I need to get a replacement. I need to get a real one. Okay. What is what is next? Oh, here we go. Hello, rebody spray. Bobby was asking which was the like iconic um Bath and Body Works body spray of uh, the past. And then and then Lindsay lived apparently in like a Victoria's Secret dominant body spray aroma region but i just wanted to follow up on poppy's question which was a good one and the scent was cucumber melon um cucumber melon was the bath and body works body spray of the whatever late 90s early 2000s cucumber melon bath and body works them scent them of bath and body works scent okay crunch crunch grapefruit melon cucumber melon Cucumber melon, grapefruit melon. When she said that, I was like, that is the name I remember. But I also remember the the rose one that you mentioned. I mean, it's totally, first of all, this is this is totally like generational. It's like the, the scents did change. Like if I said to you, Gap Dream, remember that scent? Like the no. perfume at Gap. That's like a very specific, like if you're 30 something in 2019, you at once were into like the Gap scents. But yeah, the the spray that happened when I was in middle school was strawberries and champagne or whatever. Strawberries and champagne was a Victoria's Secret flavor. Yeah. This is you talking about this, this is, is bed, bath. Bed, 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 bath and Body Works is cucumber melon and right because there's where the gingham display I remember mm-hmm. the gingham design yeah I didn't really go far <laughs> with my with my spray my spray purchase was a pure peer pressure purchase a pure peer pressure purchase and then I realized it was disgusting it was like fully disgusting and then I like never used it and then it sat in the guest bathroom essentially guest for like bathroom, years yeah. and years until my mom like had the balls to throw it out. Why didn't Yankee Candle ever make a body spray? Like, I want to smell like home sweet home. Good question. Good question. Ever wanted to smell like a Yankee Candle? Now you can. I smell like grass. Don't they have <laughs> candles that are like grass or whatever? Dirty Does... mitt. Dirty dirty baseball mitt or whatever. What are you searching? <laughs> I'm Yankee Candle body wash. They don't. No. They just make candles. If you are famous for making such weird bad smells, you should definitely make body wash or sprays. Honestly, Yankee Candle pumpkin buttercream. I want to bathe in it. Also, we act like we act like Axe body spray is the the body spray them, but like Victoria's Secret was doing these body sprays for like way before. Oh yeah. yeah. It was a really good Yankee Candle. My mom always had Yankee Candle Home Sweet Home. What does Home Sweet Home smell like? My mom's house. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> What's the scent? It smells like nothing nothing it smells like nothing what does that mean truly i mean i want to see yankee candle i want to see yankee candles explanation of home sweet home because it doesn't 
smell like anything. It says, okay, here we go. A heartwarming blend of cinnamon, baking spices, and freshly poured tea, I guess. Its top fragrances are apple, cinnamon, then nutmeg, cherry, juniper berry, and curamin and musk. What? I mean, this is what your house smelled like. It did smell like this. Although the thing about (laughs) candles is that they don't really, like, the odor is not that intense from a Yankee candle. You have to be pretty close to it. Right? Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. Like it's candles true. are candles are sort of scams. I mean Especially yeah. expensive ones. Sometimes. Candles can be candles can be nice. Sometimes I go to other people's houses and they have candles and I'm like, wow, must be nice. You know? I guess like if you're the only candles that actually do anything and like create an overpowering and overwhelming scent are expensive candles. But like Oh yeah. A $20 Yankee candle is not going to set your house, like, on fire in, in the, like, aroma department. But what if it's the limited edition uh, alfresco afternoon scent? Or how about moonlit blossoms or white strawberry bellini? How about Belgian waffles? Have you tried about, that candle yet? How about? These are all the, like, new scents for, like, the spring. They come, they're out of, they're so out of ideas that they're now coming up with the most wild shit. Grilled peaches and vanilla. That Did sounds great. Like that? <laughs> I love grilled. I have. I love grilled peaches. There's also Just blush. Then grill bouquet. some peaches. You know How what? About Easter basket. Home sweet home is one of their biggest selling candles. Makes sense. I get that people are like into Yankee candles, but I just, it's not my Do you ever go to the Yankee journey. candle store in the mall? Do they have of course. those in, in Massachusetts? Nothing has given me a headache faster than going into the Yankee candle store in the mall. <laughs> are you kidding? The moment you walk into the Yankee headache. candle store, you're like ruined. Headache. Headache And then days. you're smelling them all and you're like, ugh, <laughs> they all smell the oh, same. Yeah. How are you supposed to differentiate the smells inside the Yankee candle store when it just smells, every all the smells run together? All <laughs> the smells run together. Ugh. Yeah, they it's a it's not a great way to smell to sell. Oh my god, to sell smells if they're all just fucking mushed together in the store, you know, and everyone's just bending over and giving a little sniff. I'm like getting a headache. That's just speaking, my take on this. Speaking of places with overpowering smells. Oh my god. <gasps> I am calling about the the Scottish Parthenon, the national uh, the Scottish national monument. Um, that was begun in the early 19th century and abandoned when Scotland ran out of money. Um, I thought you might like to know that it is now, uh, well, it's located on Calton Hill in Edinburgh, which is a famous cottage where uh, homosexual men like to hook up. And uh, I know that because I'm from Scotland. I'm from Edinburgh, and that is what that place is famous for. Uh, so yeah, I hope that is a enjoyable fact for you. That was such a good, like he said with this, the fact that he was like, I am knowledgeable about this for these reasons. <laughs> Here's my expertise. I'm, tr- I can't really find the cottage. Well, Apparently, it's, 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 you're not supposed to. It's the cottage nearby, but I guess they don't really have it but on only the Only true heads know. True, <laughs> true dickheads. True dickheads know where the cruising cottage is. I don't mean like actual, I mean dickheads. I mean actual dickheads. Like that's what I meant. You get yeah. it. Yeah. Um, that's incredible. Love to know that a failure actually turned out to be something wonderful. A place where gay men can go hook up. It's good. 
Um, this monument, though, every time I look at it, I'm you just laugh. like, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. You would not be able to go there because you would just be too busy, like, sobbing, like, because you'd be <laughs> laughing so much. But the guy's like, want to hook up? And you're like, but the monument, it's look at it. So they didn't funny. finish it. They didn't finish it. It's a failure. They didn't finish it. Look at it. <laughs> Me okay. pulling up photos of the real Parthon. Look yeah. what it's supposed to look like. <laughs> this is hilarious, guys. <laughs> it's like it's like a quarter done. It doesn't even have the inside. Everyone's like, we cannot bring Bobby back to the National Monument. He is not allowed to go there anymore. <laughs> it's triggering. Hey, I just think it would be important to know that Lindsay Lohan Beach Club has officially shut down as it looks like there is not going to be a season two this summer. Um, I actually was attempting to go uh, about a few weeks ago in Mykonos and uh, found out very quickly that it did not exist anymore. And then when I was stopping over in Athens, also found out that her nightclub in Athens had also been completely shut down. And supposedly there's now a low-hand seaside coming to somewhere in the Athens area this summer. But uh, not looking too hot for our dear friend Lindsay Lohan. All right. According to lots of sources that have been in Greece trying to go to Lindsay Lohan's Beach Club in Mykonos, it is shut down, which is weird because recently she did tweet a video in which it looked like a place was open and she labeled it her beach club. Mm -hmm. And it's so strange because her whole thing is like, I quit the show. I canceled the beach club or whatever. When it's like so clear that you would that she would never do that. Like what? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the show did not do well and like it got canceled and not Lindsay Lohan did not decide not to do it a second season. Like that's insane. Well, the yeah. And then the sources close to Lindsay Lohan are saying that like she uh, I mean, this this must be a lie. They were like, the ratings were terrible. We're not bringing you back. And now Lindsay's right. like, I didn't come back because I didn't want to create drama. That was fake. And MTV wanted me to fake the drama. And well, I'm maybe above that's, that. I mean, that actually could have been part of it. Your show is being canceled because the drama wasn't good and no one watched it. So, and she took that to be like, I don't want to create fake drama. Well, then in that case, like, you're not going to get a show, I guess. Um, but I just think that she wasn't good at it. Like, she wasn't even, she wasn't good at no, the fake drama on the last season. She wasn't good at it. She wasn't good, good at, at it. it. Um, so now Lindsay Lohan's Beach Club is the yummy pop, ScarJo yummy pop of Greece. I well, at least you can there's... go. At least you can go to the. At least the you're still in Yummy Greece. <laughs> oh. No, but oh, it's I like when you way. go to the Scarjo Yummy Pop and you take a photo with like a yeah. dilapidated building in Mykonos. God. You, it's like it's like the uh, the end of a science fiction movie where you're like, I swear there was a building here, and everyone's it's like, true. you're crazy, and you're like, like no, I was here. Day, there will be a day when another store comes and they take down all of that. Like Scarjo, we're Yummy Pop, we're moving or whatever. Mm-hmm. When will that be? We don't know. So you guys are gonna have to take advantage of that. Just like in the like a hundred years from now, 100. some child is gonna be playing on the beach, and like a, a, a sand is going to blow away, and it's gonna reveal like a Lindsay Lohan's Beach Club logo underneath, yeah. and he's gonna be like, right. "Mommy, what's this?" And they're like, "I don't know," and they're gonna think it's some like really interesting thing. And when they no, do the googling, they're gonna be like, "Oh." And then I'm going to be this like, I'm going to be the great, great grandmother somehow still alive. And I'm going to be like, <laughs> oh, that's from my time. Like, those were the days. <laughs> uh. I'm the, <laughs> and I'm going to like, be like, oh, let me tell you a story about Lindsay Lohan's Beach Club. <laughs> God. There was no drama and it was canceled after one season. <laughs> Everyone's like, what seasons? What's TV? What's Lindsay Lohan? What's Beach Club? 
the top of this ad copy says aura pronounced aura but what it should say is aura pronounced like rita because it is it's rita aura but this is just we're aura, quite A-U-R-A. familiar how to pronounce aura <laughs> let me yeah, tell please. you that and the other thing we're quite familiar with is giving good gifts because we've both been giving aura frames to various family members for as long as we've been doing this and let's just say <laughs> they never flop as long as we've been doing the ads it's true though They've never because Aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital frames allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos with the Aura app. And if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. I love that. I haven't done that, but I would do that next time. That's a really good idea. I haven't done that either. I like, I'm more like sending people connecting to their frame and then just sending photos randomly so they get a little surprise of a fun little photo that's in their frame. Aura has a great deal for Father's Day right now. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. This deal ends June 18th, so don't wait. Use code WHO at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Bobby. Um, this is mostly just for your information because it's because it is neither timely or not that interesting. But I called a couple weeks ago about Mary Steenberg and possibly Rita Wilsoning, and I did my own research and found out that Mary started writing music when she went under general anesthesia for her surgery on her forearm in 2007, and then when she woke up from the general anesthesia, music was pouring out of her mind. Uh, since then, she's written over 100 songs, including one that was performed by her in the movie Last Vegas with all those old dudes. Um, I just felt like this is really important. <laughs> um, good form, Bellathorne. So, Mary Steenburgen is an iconic songwriter. Who knew? I didn't. I had no I idea. I didn't either. And honestly, like, she's very good. She's very low-key about it. Some of our other favorite iconic actresses turned songwriters, singers, are not as low-key about it. Literally could not be less low-key about it. Rita, I'm looking <laughs> at you. Wilson, not Aura. I'm sorry, she's like the least low-key about it that anyone's ever been. Yeah, Rita or Rita Rita Wilson skywrites her talents. Mary Steenburgen like, is very is very quiet she's about humble. it. She's humble. Music is her passion. Extremely humble. I feel like um, no one in, no one on the planet. I mean, as much as we love Rita Wilson, I don't think anyone on the planet is calling her humble, right? No, she's not humble. No, she's not humble or humbled by anything. That woman, but Mary seems like a little bit more, you know. So she, I guess she had surgery, she woke up, and there was music in her head. And since then, she's been doing music for all the types of things that you could do music for. She did a song for um, the movie that she was in. Remember Last Vegas? I love the name Last Vegas. There was Las Vegas. Get it? It was such a good name, but that movie is really bad. It's really really bad. bad. I tried to give it a shot because, you know, I love movies about old people, like, you know, having a second wind. Yeah. And it's terrible. <laughs> a final wind. <laughs> um, so Mary Steenburgen, and who are them? Them? Mm, it's tough because Ted Danson is a them and they're such an iconic couple. Mm-hmm. But it's Let's... tough for me because she is technically kind of a character actress, even though cheer, like, cheer. Mm. It's tough. That's really tough. Yeah. Because when they were like on, I was watching the CBS This Morning interview with her talking about this songwriting thing. Uh-huh. And they were like, Back to the Future. And like the na- things they were naming were so kind of random to me. Like she did, yeah. she started Back to the Future like three. Oh, know? yeah. She's a, she's, it's the Western one. She's yeah, in the Western one. Right. So it was kind of like, if this is your reference points that you're like putting out there. I'm not quite sure that I. 
see of them. And she won an Oscar, but can you name the movie she won an Oscar for? Like, no, unfortunately. You never will. Guess. Just like to throw a name out and see what happens. But I can't even think of more than one movie that... Melvin and Howard. What is that? It's a Jonathan Demme movie from 1980. I've never seen seen it. it. No. The only reason I know about it is because it's the one that she won the Oscar for. Right. I mean, I loved her in um, Last Man on Earth. I mean, I can only think of recent. And she, I loved her in Book Club. She's so good in Book Club. I one love her best. in Book Club. I love her in... One of the best. Uh, it's not, I mean, the competition is strong. I, I love her in Book Club. I love her as the evil lawyer in Philadelphia. I love yes, her as the, yes. the sexy, horny mom in What's Eating Gilbert Grape. So the fact you that know? you're saying like these characters that are don't have names that you can remember, you're just saying like these kind of sidekicky archetypes. Yeah. Kind of says hooey to me. I love her as Mary Steenburgen in Kerber Enthusiasm. Oh, yeah. She's so good at that. Mary. They Mary. love Mary. They do love Mary. They love Mary. <laughs> um, so that's Mary Steenburgen. She's, let's call her a them. Is that what we decided? No, but you could be kind. I don't know what we decided anymore. Point is, we're not talking about Mary Steenburgen. The reason people are bringing this up, we got a lot of calls about Mary Steenburgen's brain injury or... Uh, brain quirk that turned into a... It's like, wasn't a brain injury, though. It was like she was having surgery. Anesthesia. It was just more like she... it, it her, the Going the, under anesthesia yeah. clicked something in her brain. So, which I don't know if that even can happen, but like... It happened to her. Okay. So we get a lot of calls about how anesthesia turned Mary Steenberg into an iconic and extremely uh, humble songwriter. But the point... The reason that happened is because she's promoting this movie, Wild Rose... For which she wrote music. Yes, the um, Vox Lux of country. So I hope it'll be better than Vox Lux, though. That's rude to say. But it's movie, Vox Luxy. Uh, remember she's in, oh my God, she's in The Help. I forgot she's in The Help. She plays like yeah. the New York editor. Yeah. And she says, she says chutzpah at one point. She's like, you got chutzpah, I'll tell you that much. And it's like, all the lines are like, let's make her seem New York. <laughs> it's good, honestly. I like this Sarah Ross. She testifies without complaining too much. And that Bertha, she's got chutzpah. I'll give her that. This movie, Wild Rose, it's sort of like A Star is Born, but Irish? Scottish? Mm-hmm. The actress in it is Irish, but I believe she's playing a Scot. Am I right there? I don't know. You're asking me, and I'm like, I don't know. It is a movie about a uh, an aspiring singer who's like, you know, late 20s. And that singer is played by Jesse Buckley. And the song that she's making the round singing is a song written by Mary Steenburgen. And that song is called Glasgow. Um, mm-hmm. The song is really good. Mm-hmm. Good for good for Mary Steenburgen. But the thing I like about Jesse Buckley is, number one, she got famous because she didn't win a talent show. I love people who play second. She plays second. I also love that it's extremely British that our version of this was they were trying to find the replacement. Wasn't it Greece? Didn't we, we have a reality show where it was like we need we need a new Greece cast? Oh, we've had this. We had all. We had find an Annie. We've done this many many times. There's the British so many equivalent of, of Americans desperate for a new Annie and like desperate for a new is cast. The of Greece Oliver one is Oliver. Yeah, that makes sense. It's pretty funny. It makes sense. I do. It's called the show is called I Do Anything, which is so great. Aired in uh, where did it air? Two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. She did not win, but she came in second, and then she like kind of stayed famous. And then I was yeah. like, "Why do I know who this person is?" Yeah. Turns out, she was in Chernobyl. Oh God. 
This is a Chernobyl podcast. How was her Russian accent? Or did she not do no, one? They don't do, no, they don't do Russian accents. So what did she Chernobyl? do, an Irish accent? Lindsay, they don't do Russian accents in Chernobyl. So what did no, she they do, do, a British, British accent? Oh. Everyone did a British accent except Stellan Skarsgård, who was like, I'm just doing, you're getting what I'm giving you. It's weird to not do a Russian accent, but to do a British accent. Like, I know, I get, it's just, it's stand, it's still standardized. Like, her accent isn't British, but she did a British right. accent. Right, it's standard, but I, I was I was reading that. Did you read that, like, that really long thread no. from the... um. No. The uh, no. Russian journalist, no. the, well, the American journalist from Russia, uh, no. who was like explaining why Chernobyl is so good. How kind of an older person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were like, you know, it's like the best representation of, you know, Soviet life in the 80s that I've ever seen. It's so good. And, and they were, you know, complimenting everything. And they were like, people are complaining about everyone speaking in a British accent. But honestly, like, I like it because the Russian accent is hard to get right. And I'd rather them speak correctly than, and also he was talking about how uh, it's really easy for Russian accents to like turn into parody. And so mm-hmm. it's like, it would just be really distracting if people did bad Russian accents. So let's mm-hmm. just do something uniform. I get it. I get it. I get it. I don't like that you just turn this into an excuse to talk at me about Chernobyl. Ain't no Hi, the Weekly, long time, long time. I just saw the movie Late Night, which was great, but that's not what I'm here to talk about because I saw the most bananas preview um, for this new Milo Ventimiglia movie, and it's like a dog movie, and it's just insane. Amanda Seyfried's in it. It's incredibly hooey. I feel like it has Christian undertones. It feels a lot like Cars meets Marley and Me, and I just cannot understand what the fuck this movie is supposed to be about. I think the preview was narrated by the dog. I don't know what it is with this, like, resurgence of, like, dog-narrated movies that make no fucking sense, because Dennis Quaid just did one that I saw previews for all the fucking time. It's the hooiest shit, and I don't know why these people are just, like, choosing to do it, because Mila Ventimiglia could, like, literally never act again. He has... So much This Is Us money. Anyways, if you could break down what the fuck this preview is. It's called, like, Racing in the Rain or something. And it it just is bizarre. Like, I feel like Marley and Me made me cry because it made kind of a bit of sense. And, like, you felt bad for the dog. But this one, I'm like, is the dog going to drive the car? I don't know. I need your help. Anyways, um, RIP ScarJo Yummy Top, Good Form Bella Thorne, Me and Grease. Is the dog going to drive the car is definitely the first question you ask when you see the poster for The Art of Racing in the Rain because it's Milo Ventimiglia in the car with the dog and you're like, I don't know what this movie is about, but I know dogs are hot right now. Maybe the only thing we have left is a dog that drives. I love that everyone, like, dogs are not hot right now. Dogs are always hot. Dogs are like a, a, dogs have been hot for a long time. Dogs are always, dogs are always hot. Like, dogs are in. Always. So are cats. This movie is based on a book called The Art of Racing on the Rain, The Art of Racing in the Rain by a guy named Garth Stein. And the book is about a race car driver and his dog Enzo. And this the book is written from the perspective of the dog. That is the main dog purpose of this movie. Mm-hmm. And it was made into it was made into a, it was a book. It was successful. It was made into a movie. 
It's directed by Simon Curtis, who directed My Week with Marilyn, which is so strange to me. Also, <laughs> goodbye, Christopher Robin. <laughs> like, what's going on here? Anyways, you know, we all have to get work. Uh, and it is... There have a, been... Yeah. Two two of those A Dog's movies have been released this year alone. Yeah. There was that first one, A Dog's Purpose, that came out in 2017. The sequel to A Dog... No, it was A Dog's no. Purpose, then A Dog's Journey. A Dog's Journey came out in May last month. But also there was another Dog's that came out in January that's based on a book by the same author. A Dog's Way Home. A Dog's Home. Way Home. Yeah. What's wild is there that... There are so it's many of not, them. It's, the, it's like the human voice that's given to the dog is what is we're really freaked out yeah. by. You know? The, and that they're not is doing... What, and they don't do the they don't do the CG mouth because it's just the dogs. It's in the, the dog dog's head. The dog doesn't move its mouth. The dog just exists and we hear its voice. It's a voiceover. Yeah. A dog. And it's voiceover. always and it's always some old man or and Josh. Here's Gad. the thing with dog movies, which I don't Here, what's like. What's the thing? Tell me the thing. Is that the dog always dies because it's a dog, and so there's always like if they're gonna make you cry, the dog's gonna get sick and die. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's well, like that's the, the Marley Mar- and Me. That's role. the iconic Marley and Me thing. Marley and Me is you know the number one dog movie. Yeah. Everyone knows the dog dies. Oh my god! Sorry, spoiler. Were you watching? Were you planning on watching Marley and Me next week? Well, Marley and Me ends you. with like Owen Wilson and Jennifer Aniston having to put down the dog, and it's oh like my very god. sad. But like that's the thread of these. <laughs> oh <my laughs> these stories always end with like the dog giving. Yeah, advice. dog's journey ends in death. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And then the and then well, and isn't dog's journey dog's purpose? The dog like comes back to life as a new dog. Mm-hmm, I think so. Yeah out of here with that it's Josh, like, it's Josh Gad being like first I was this and then I was this and then now I'm this finally a role and the that dog's makes sense for Josh thing, Gad and the dog's whole thing is like changing changing lives I guess but well, in, the, in a dog's do way home the dog, lives. In, the, in a dog's way home the dog is Bryce Dallas Howard it is so selfish for us to just you know put these dogs in a place just to serve us to change our lives what about their lives mm-hmm. you have no answer for that do you I really need I really need a dog's a dog's movie about like shutting down breeders. What's a good like animal rightsy well Free Willy kind of had animal rights uh, involved in it. Th- like there needs yeah, to be Yeah, no, it was definitely Free Willy was definitely a movie about indoctrinating children. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, with like animal rights mm-hmm. vibes. What yeah. about like oh, yeah. Dunstan checks in was that um did that, what about Andre? Oh, no, Andre I feel did. like Dunstan checks in was very um irresponsible because it made kids want monkeys and like we shouldn't right. be getting it's like, like we like, do not illegally have, importing yeah. monkeys no you know, that is from true. wherever the monkeys are from andre was also like meant like almost like i man's never rights, saw andre rightsy. i never saw andre was that but the andre one with... is so good with the seal and the girl tina majorino yeah she's so good andre she's a good she's so good good uh, child actress uh, but The Art of Racing in the Rain. Here we go. I'm going to read you the synopsis. Oh, the novel no. is the story of Denny Swift, a race car driver and custom representative in a Seattle BMW dealership, and his dog, Enzo, who believes in the Mongoli- Mag- Mongolian legend that a dog who is prepared will be reincarnated in his left- next life as a human. Enzo sets out to prepare, with the Seattle Times calling his journey a struggle to hone his humanness to make sense of the good, the bad, and the unthinkable. God, imagine learning how to be human from Milo Ventimiglia. Anyway, Enzo spends most of his days watching television, gleaning what he can about his own great, his owner's greatest passion, which is race car driving and relating it to life. 
He watches as Danny marries Eve, the birth of their daughter, and then Eve's development of brain cancer, which he can detect through his acute sense of smell. No, dog. Enzo, no, 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 Enzo no, no, no. eventually plays a key role in Denny's child custody battle with his in-laws and distills his observations on the human condition in the mantra, that God. which you manifest is... God, I could tell because there's a scene in that trailer where Amanda Seyfried is like looking frail. And I was like, they're going to kill that. They're going to kill her off. So they don't kill the dog. They kill Amanda Seyfried. <laughs> I mean, if and you can't kill the like, dog, the kill Amanda like, Seyfried. Sniff, sniff, she has cancer. This is a scientist <laughs> would list, a scientist would hear this and be like, "This is sniff, sniff, she has." I but mean, also, like, what good is Enzo sniffing if he can't do anything about it? Like, maybe the dog he's can't also be like a doctor. The the dog can't be like, "Hey, Milo, Amanda Seyfried has cancer." Like, he can't do that. That's the dog from the wag ad, and you know it. No, I know. The dog from the wag ad can tell that Olivia Wilde has cancer, but can't. No, don't say that. (laughs) Olivia Wilde, I think you have HPV. (laughs) It has to be a little bit less severe. (laughs) I mean, it's Olivia Munn, though. You guys know the joke, obviously. I think you have HPV, Olivia Wilde. <laughs> Anyways. I, I cannot <laughs> believe all the death they throw into these fucking books. I mean, I understand that, like, death is a part is a part of life. But, like, Jesus Christ, they're so manipulative. Yeah. Uh, and this That's video, why they're successful, and that's why this is a movie me, this starring movie, Kevin Costner as a this dog. Movie, this movie's going to make so much money. Meanwhile, everyone's like... Oh my God, Lion King voices. And I'm over here like, Kevin Costner as a dog. <laughs> <sighs> well, the the photos from the trailer, like the little title cards from the trailer. Let me read them. This summer clip. <laughs> Meet the dog clip. Who will show the world clip. How to be human. That's what? not. what. I don't want to learn how to be human from a I dog. I get it, but that's like not the. That is not what we're doing here. That should no. not be what we're doing here. <laughs> and also to the caller who said that Milo Ventimiglia doesn't need to do stuff like this. He sure does. Few people need to do stuff more than Milo Ventimiglia. Oh, he is. He is on the list of people who need to do stuff like this. They just went down the list. They were like, oh, Milo. <laughs> who else is on the list of people who Amanda need to do Seyfried, stuff like this? I honestly just feels like loves dogs because she has a very um, oh, passionate relationship lo- with her mm-hmm. dog. I didn't mean passionate, like gross. Like, I mean, like she just loves her dog. Um, I think his name, what's his name? Like Flynn or something. It has an Instagram. Anyways, the point is, is that I believe that Amanda did this movie because she loves dogs and Milo did this movie because he loves money. I think the answer, yeah, the answer is just like people who are on popular ensemble television shows because they need to break out. They need to break out from the thing that they are seen as like a collective. Yeah. The only annoying thing about this movie is promoting it. Like, you know what I mean? That's like the only thing that's going to be annoying to do is to have to walk, oh, go yeah. around and promote it. Humiliating. Right. Have to tell like anecdotes about dogs, what right. you love about dogs, what you right. think humans can learn from dogs. Right. Uh, it, it's, yeah, it's humiliating. That's what I'm saying. I just cannot like... believe there have been so many dogs, like Dog's Journey, this W. Bruce Cameron guy. There are so many of them. Right. But that's, I think, the the dogs, the success of a dog's journey and a dog's purpose have started the new cycle of these dog movies in a very specific type of dog movie. You know, not an Air Bud. He's not Air mm-hmm. Bud. He's your Bud. And he... Air Bud's really good. Yeah, I, love I Air agree. Bud. I agree. More Air Bud. <sighs> Hold on. Wow, I'm yawning. Wait, we should leave that in. I'm yawning. Oh, my God. Do you need some sleep? Did you sleep well last night? <laughs>
Or did you sleep too well last night? I, that's the thing is like the yawn usually means you haven't slept well. But sometimes I think the yawn means like the sleep was too bang was too banging. Too banging. <laughs> <laughs> On your Helix mattress? My bed is like my sanctuary, as you know. And it's really because of my sheets for one, obviously my pillows for two, but mostly for my mattress. Mostly my mattress. Mm-hmm. Because my bed is like made exactly for me because I took the Helix sleep quiz and I was matched with a mattress because I, you know, I wanted something that felt the way that I wanted to feel. I think I like a medium. I sleep on my side. Yeah, I sleep on my side and my stomach. Same. But I have a, I have a, I have a mattress on the firmer side, which I love. I like But there's a, soft, a little bit of a softness to it. It's I like a softness, a soft, but I like it's also sinking firm. in. I like sinking into the mattress, you know? But that's fine. We all sleep differently, and that's why Helix has so many different mattresses to choose from. They're personalized. They're shipped straight to your door, free of charge. They offer a 100-night free trial, and they offer a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new mattress. But if you don't want to take our word for it, or many, many words for it, Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for hooligans. Go to helixsleep.com slash who. That's helixsleep.com slash who. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. So our next call is, uh, is about Wendy Williams. It's also one that we were asked to um, play with the disguised voice. But we so, also don't want other outlets taking our goss and running not. with it. So we did put a little bit of a Who Weekly tag on it. So hopefully you can hear the call through the tag. Yeah, here. hopefully it's not too distracting. Yeah, we're um, doing our own. We're doing our own tags now. We want to protect ourselves. Mm-hmm. But it's just some interesting Wendy Williams tea. Hey guys, um, if you play this on the show, please use a voice changer. But like, I don't think necessarily. Who so. weekly? Like the podcast. Um, Wendy Williams is currently taking meetings all over town. Who weekly? Town the Angeles, podcast. Taking an unscripted series about her life. Um, I guess her her life at this point in time. Her. Rehabilitation. Who Weekly, the podcast. Hot Girl Summer, quite frankly. Uh, so uh, you should know that she did show up to our offices wearing... Who Weekly, the podcast. Crystal Ugboot folds down twice, so that's two, two folds, um, and uh, trap shorts with a matching... Who Weekly, hoodie. the podcast. That's the outfit she chose and came came to take this meeting again to pitch her show. Uh, thanks thanks for the, taking the call, you guys. Who um, weekly the so Thank that's really interesting. Wow, what a great call. I'm so glad I we were able to mask heard it. This goss. She's like trying to get away from her ex-husband her soon-to-be ex-husband she's trying to get away from new york bad vibes for her mm-hmm. so like she's taking uh meetings in la good goss good goss would you watch that tv show do you think it'd be good or do you think it'd be kind of sad well if it's the same tv show as it is now of course i'll watch i love wendy williams no i mean yeah. like she's she's pitching a reality show that's what oh, she's saying oh no she's i don't pitching want an unscripted that. reality I show about her summer i don't want well oh god i mean i don't want that exactly no. I just want Wendy to do what Wendy does best. This is the problem. Do what you do best. Wanting to do a reality show is sort of, it it reads as a dark move. It reads as a desperate move. And it makes me nervous. And Wendy's like good at what she does. Like if I was Wendy, what I would do is I would do a really comprehensive sit down interview with somebody 
and like talk about everything, not spin it into a reality show. Like that to me is the less, I don't know, like don't, wouldn't wouldn't you want like a good sit down interview with Wendy Mm -hmm. with someone who knows how to interview and she kind of talks about what she's been going through and all of that stuff, right? And then- no one ever watches these reality shows, you know? No, no one does. No one ever actually watches them. No one does. No, people watch the first episode. People yeah. watch me, you know. It's, it's like, like, remember, two people with more intrigue or like, you know, cultural capital than at the time of uh, Black China and Rob Kardashian. And that show was a big ass flop. Same with like Kylie's I show. Mean, not sucked. a lot of people watch. I'm thinking of Lindsay Lohan's show on <laughs> Oprah that no one really watched. Like, it's very, you know, it's it's not like this given thing that just because people are buzzing about you that people are going to watch a reality show about you. Like, I Mm -hmm. just feel like there's a better way to get your story out there and have people like gear you. Do the one hour interview and you'll be fine. And then go back to the show that you, or, or rejigger the show that's, that works so well for you. You know, Mm -hmm. everyone loves when, like Wendy's show. Why, why like change that? Why change it? Um, next call. Hi, who weekly long time, long time. Who is Sebastian? Maniscalco. I just read about him at work. He's some kind of comedian. I've never heard this name before, and apparently he's only outsold in comedy arenas by Kevin Hart. Like, he made $60 million in his last 30 shows, which seems like a lot for a name I've literally never heard before. Who is this guy? Crunch, crunch. Bobby, had you heard of this guy? No, not once. Not yeah. once. I had no idea who he was. And I've seen Green Book. He's in Green Book. What is he in Green Book? He works at the uh uh he works at the club. Oh, you know who he is? I'm I was completely wrong. He's Vigo Mortensen's brother. Oh, okay. Did they just run or out of friend? like Italian guys or something? Or friend? Who cares? He's in okay, a few wow. scenes with Clearly Vigo Mortensen. It movie. literally doesn't matter. I don't want to talk about Green Book. I want to talk about Sebastian Maniscalco. Who Sebastian just... Maniscalco is hosting the VMAs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sebastian Maniscalco is 100 years old, and he's hosting the VMAs. He's not in videos or music, and yet he's hosting their awards. He's never been on MTV before, and yet he's and hosting the awards. And to be fair, his shtick is that he doesn't know anything. So like, yeah. it's not like they're pretending like he is cool. They're running with the idea that he's not cool. All and of I the guess... spots are about, oh, I don't know. I don't know who Cardi B is. Well, it, it's instead of going with somebody who is very cool but not as good as a host, they're trying to find somebody who would be more hosty. But my mm-hmm. question is, like, are they just going to start off with him saying, I don't know who anyone is, and then do that throughout the entire show? Because that's not going to last for the show. Like, it's only going to have to be the shtick to get you in the door or mm-hmm. to open the show. And he can't do that for the full show. Most of his comedy, I mean, he's a big comedian in terms of, like, the stand-up, like, uh, what do you call it? The... Um, what are you calling it? The stand-up uh, world. The but stand-up I don't world? Mean no, more like the the circuit. The circuit. Stand-up, stand-up circuit. circuit. That's the That's word you I were mean. looking for. Yeah. yeah. The circuit. Um, but his comedy, he's famous for comedy. That's about like standing in lines at the airport and like, uh, you know, sh- uh, sh- uh, tying your shoelaces. His most and... famous joke is about a doorbell. Yeah, his like most famous joke is like, "Remember then? back and remember back when we were kids, and when the doorbell rang, we were excited. Now, when the doorbell rings, we're confused and concerned, and then the audience right. loses their mind for eight minutes." Yeah, 
That's so true. <laughs> See, I think this is a boomer comedian, it's, and I can tell it's because generational, he's a boomer. Right. It's he's generational boomer. boomer comedy. Also, boomers love to go see live stand-up. So, like, boomers fill arenas for this guy. He made $15 million. They're like, $150? Who cares? Between in one year. And, yeah. and, and he was on Comedians in Cars because Jerry Seinfeld loves him because Jerry Seinfeld's a fucking boomer, which is fine. But that's why this guy is a thing, because when boomers want to have a night out, they're like, oh, should we go see some live comedy? He reminds me of Dame boomers Cook, to wild. be honest, a Dame Cook's puke, just like a guy I'd never heard of doing like very basic. But there's know. no vulgarity there. It's like. It's, but just it's, like it's, a it's more approachable. Stand, a stand-up stand-up, you know? Like a stand-up. Yeah. Like, it's very classic. It's textbook yeah. stand-up. It's, yeah. If you were a stand-up, you would be like, this guy's got it down. Like he's he hits the beats perfectly or whatever. Right. So let's go down the list of the top 10, wor- the world's highest paid comedians of 2018. He's yeah. number 10. Yeah. He made $15 million. Number nine. Yeah. Do we know who Jeff Dunham is? $16.5 no. million. Dollars. maybe. Yeah. Jim Gaffigan, number eight. He made $17.5 million. Amazing. Seven. Terry Fator, $18 million. Not Vegas surprising. Puppet Queen. Vegas yeah. Puppet King. Isn't he like a super creep, apparently, Vegas allegedly? Pu- we, t- we talked about him on this podcast. Remember his mom hates yes. him or whatever? Six. Gabriel Iglesias, who yeah. literally drive anywhere in the country. You will see a billboard for Bill for Gabriel Iglesias. I see yeah. billboards. You see billboards. He's everywhere. He's yeah. always touring. He and their definition of comedian is like actual work up standing touring comedian. They don't mean like a comedian that got like a Netflix deal and like is doing. Do you know what I mean? Like they yeah. that has to be separate because this isn't like Eliza whatever. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, Ricky Gervais number five, twenty five million dollars. Notice no women. Yeah. Uh huh. Oh yeah, none. Oh. Women? Women who? Yeah. Four. Chris Rock, $30 million. Dave Chappelle, three. $35 million. Interesting. Kevin Hart, number two, $57 million. And, that's be- and, and I think this is because when Kevin Hart does a show, he can sell he can sell out an Madison arena. Square Garden. Yeah. yeah. Like basically for himself, which is the... And he can do it for like four nights. And so yeah. that's like the kind of money where you start making millions of dollars mm-hmm. for doing literal touring. Number one, Jerry Seinfeld, 57.5 oh million. I love this headline. Sebastian Maniscalco adds third show due to popular command, due to popular demand. Where? Syracuse. So it's just like. Syracuse. Yeah. Yeah. His tour. Tulsa, Oklahoma. Thackerville, Oklahoma. Wichita, Kansas. Charlotte, North Carolina. Charlotte, North Carolina. And I Googled the guy. I Googled the guy who produces the VMAs. He also produces other like music award shows. And guess how old he is? 58. 55. So there like, you there you have it. Like they're just, you know, and, I, and I'm kind of like not trying to be like a hater, like, oh, like old people, like don't hire, da, da, da. but my thing is like, it's such a clear strategy that it's like, I wonder how it's going to go. It reminds me of the Howard Stern hosting the VMAs. It reminds me, it's like, a, oh, it's a yeah. very specific era of stand-up comedians when they all were hosting these different award shows, when they weren't necessarily musicians, you know, well, like, but it went in a ahead. way. Yeah. I, I just don't know, like, in a way... But this like, is no not one's, what no one's gonna watch is. No one's going to watch the VMAs, right? Yeah. Even when they do, even when they get a good host, no one's watching the VMAs. So it's sort of like, must be a fun time for them, maybe. Sort of low pressure, let's just see if we can make it funny. And this must be the guy being like, well, this guy's funny. At the very least, it'll be 
funny. But do you think that like this is a very like wish, like a wishing nostalgic look back at when the VM, when MTV was cool, when comedians did do it and it was like fun and edgy and blah, blah, and music and comedy did go together and all that stuff. Cause like that is not necessarily the case anymore. And so I feel like this guy is like this nostalgic heavy vibe to try and get people to watch the VMAs again. When, you know, all of the nominees are like Lil Pump, essentially, and it's not going to be as big of a connection because like, though, you know, it's like not like that anymore. Yeah. Uh, I got to say, it it, it intrigues me. It makes me want to watch at least the opening monologue or something. Oh, I'm watching this. Are you kidding? I'm watching. When are they? Like next month? Uh, uh, They're always the beginning of September, end of August, right? Uh, I mean, literally, I'm looking at his YouTube videos and it's got he's got Whole Foods skit. Aren't you embarrassed checking in at the airport when your doorbell rang 20 years ago? Can you play some of it here? Yes. I was sitting in my house a couple weeks ago, just relaxing. My doorbell rang. This is weird. It's a different feeling when your doorbell rings today opposed to 20 years ago, right? 20 years ago, your doorbell rang. That was a happy moment in your house. It's called company be sitting there on a Thursday night watching TV. Your doorbell rang. The whole family shot off the couch. Oh my God! Put the lights on. Somebody's here. We got people. The whole family went to the door. The kids were in socks. They slid up to the door. Nobody looked to see who it was. Right? You just opened up the door. You were like, oh my God, look at that. Um, but with that, we are done for the day. Thank you for listening to Who's There, as usual. It's really great to have you here. Um, or I'm there. really terrible at closing and opening today. Uh, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Support us on Patreon.com slash Who Weekly. Oh, yeah, we um, we donated over $400 to the Yellowhammer Fund. Thank you to everyone who bought merch. So nice. We were able to donate so nice that, to be able to do that, which is amazing. Um, it's all because of you. That rules. Uh, what a great cause. Uh, call in at 619-WHO-THEM to leave questions, comments, concerns for next week. And we will see you on Tuesday. Bye-bye. Have a great weekend. It's going to be a great weekend. I can feel it. Goodbye. It's going to be a great weekend. I can feel it. You will drive They want to know. Hey. Neo. Hey. Neo. Hey. Neo. Come on. Come on. Hey. I want to be famous. Hi. Uh, is Eileen Fisher a who or a them? Also, if you ever find yourself needing tea on Eileen Fisher, um, hit me up. Okay. Me and Grace. Bye. <laughs> Hi, it's me again. Um, just calling to say, like, I already know what the answer to the Eileen Fisher question is. I, I'm the one who just called about that, um, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I already know it's going to be, like, old, white, rich, white lady them. Otherwise, generally a who by all other standards. So just, like, hope you didn't waste your time answering that. Um, I hope you don't play this. I mean, feel free. Okay, uh, me and Grace, bye.